Hey guys, before this episode begins, I just want to let you all know that I've partnered with DAT Bootcamp to offer a 10% discount code on all Bootcamp products. While studying for my DAT, I found DAT Bootcamp to be the best resource during my preparation. Their extensive review videos and practice exams are second to none. Use code DOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount, applicable to all programs Bootcamp has to offer. Again, that's DOD10 at checkout. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dental Dental Podcast. The focus of this podcast is to share undergraduate and dental school experiences from dental students and dental professionals through valuable discussions. Through sharing the journeys and stories of current dental students and dental professionals, our goal is to help you find answers or guidance for your own pre-dental journeys. We're super excited to have current Harvard dental student, Asa Pisano, as our guest today. Asa graduated from Stony Brook University with a bachelor's degree in biology, along with a health medicine and society minor. She's now a D1 student at Harvard School of Dental Medicine. Throughout undergrad, Oslo was a dental assistant, conducted research in paleobiology, volunteered abroad, and helped her peers as a teaching assistant. Oslo, welcome to the podcast. How have the last few weeks of your D1 year been? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, especially with the, another Stony Brook student. Um, the past, so we started a month ago now, and honestly, it's been crazy. It's been hectic, super busy, but lots of fun. Um, I was, I heard a lot of horror stories like when people got to dental school that their social life kind of went out the window the work was so much harder than like you've ever had to deal with and i honestly don't think that's the case um stony brook's curriculum is extremely dense really hard and i feel like it's prepared me really well for my classes thus far um honestly like the busiest part is the social aspect I think once you do get to grad school, especially dental school, everyone around you is pretty much like-minded individuals. You know, you go, you you all have the same goals and aspirations. That's why you're in the same grad program. Um, so obviously, like, put a room of like a a group of thirty-five like-minded individuals. It gets very exciting. Like we're always like doing something, whether it's studying together, eating together, going out together, exploring Boston together. So yeah, it's been it's been hectic, but great. Yeah, I got the test to like the Sony Brook curriculum. Yeah, it's definitely like the STEM school. So, you know, a lot of courses like weeding out courses, I guess you can call them. So definitely raise you well for, you know, like, I guess the DAT. Some people will talk about um, even just, I guess, Harvard in general, in general, I guess. So so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like uh, where you're from, where you grew up, what you like to do for fun you know, kind of how you, you know, who you are. Yeah. So I was actually born in Turkey, but I grew up in New York. So um, I've been in New York for the past like 20, 20 years now. Um, in terms of what I was, what I did in undergrad, Siraji kind of touched upon it already. I was a big, uh, I played a big role in research um, in the anthropology lab and dental lab, oral biology. Uh, I was heavily involved in pre-dental society. Um, You know, basically just like good overall well-rounded extracurriculars. But outside of that is what's really important to me. And that's like, I love cooking. I love working out. Fitness is a big part of my life, whether it's running or weightlifting or yoga or Pilates. that's something I stayed true to like basically throughout my undergraduate career I didn't want to lose track of my interests and kind of get lost in like academics um I actually run a food blog on Instagram and that takes up a lot of my time that's something I started while also in undergrad uh, and I still continue it now so I guess we'll touch upon it a little bit later but honestly like even in my interviews, that was the topic of conversation. Like, what do you like to do outside of dentistry? Because, yeah, I can, like, ramble about how I was a dental assistant and I did pre-dental society and, like, all this stuff. Yeah. But the stuff that really matters is, like, who I am outside of that. Yeah. I think, that, like, what you are outside of dentistry, like, is going to tell your dental school is, like, what kind of doctor you're going to be. Yeah. Be honest, like, how you connect with your patients and that's going to ultimately like, make you successful, so... For sure. I actually have like a piece of advice I want to share from a dentist that I worked with. 
He was an endodontist. And if you don't know what that is, it's a dentist that specializes in root canals. And so they have like a very, very busy office on Long Island, him and his wife. And I asked him, I was like, do you ever get tired of doing root canals all day? Because that's literally all that they do, root canals. And he said, well, this is just my job. Like, this is not my life. And he said, I love fishing. I love my kids. I love being outdoors. I love spending time. Like, I love bike rides. Mm. He said, that's my life. Like, that's who I am. Root canals is my job. Like, I do this. I got paid for it. And I go home and I do things that I actually like to do. So that really stuck with me. And um, I kind of carried that theme with me for, like, the next, through my interviews. And, like, now it's still with me. Like, I keep that in the back of my head all the time. Yeah, no, we have a, we have a, uh, a doctor at our, at our office that we work at. He's a prosthodontist. And, like... I remember one time, like, he was doing a procedure on a patient, and then on the TV was, like, the Discovery Channel, like, the fish, you know, like, stream fishing channels? Yeah. So, like, and I think he said that he was, he used to, he's, like, a fisherman, like, in his free time. Mm-hmm. Like, that is my second job. Yeah. He quoted me, like, to think about that. And even, like, my doctor I work with, like, currently, um, I feel like his second job is, like, playing with his dogs or just kind of doing his own thing rather than dentistry. I mean, you know, it's it's a great thing to have, but I feel like if you have things, like, that you can focus on besides it will make you even better as a person. So, yeah, like along those lines, like, so why dentistry? Why why did you decide to like? To do <laughs> I don't mean to make this like I don't mean to have like Pete flashbacks like interviews. But okay, that is such an interview question. Honestly, it's a good question to ask, um, and all pre-dents should be asking themselves that because you're gonna get it on your interview. So for me, it was honestly early exposure. When I was a child, um, I went back to Turkey a lot for the summer, and my and was a dental assistant. So I spent a lot of time in the dental office, um, just like interacting with the patients, interacting with the doctor, even just seeing x-rays on the film and seeing like the different colored ortho rubber bands. When you're seven, eight, nine years old, that's really interesting. Like at least it was to me. And so I kind of continued with that idea of like, okay, I really like the dental office because I saw the doctor, his patients loved him. They didn't come in like upset. They came in bubbly and they left bubbly. Um, Just like it was always just a good atmosphere, a positive atmosphere. So when I did turn 16 and I got my working papers, I just applied to work at a dental office. And that's what really like cemented my decision. I was like, okay, I do want to be a dentist. And it was really just the close patient interaction, the work-life balance that I saw with like the doctors and like how flexible their hours were um the level of like trust between you and your patient i thought that was really inspiring and honestly like getting to work with your hands is something that's just so special to dentistry um obviously sometimes in an interview it'll come up like why not medicine because you know obviously surgery is also uh very like fine detail like hand skill oriented But then again, it goes back to all my other reasons, work-life balance, patient interaction. I like the idea of like forming a relationship with a patient and knowing their history and like knowing about their family. So those are just some of my reasons. Honestly, the more I worked at the dental office, the more like reasons I could come up with. Um, So if you are a pre-dent and you have the opportunity to assess like a hundred percent and I can, i'm sure siraj can attest to that too because he also assists it's it makes a big difference yeah i mean um you know i used to shadow like a regular general dentist um, i don't think you get like extractions or like um implants or anything like that but when you sort of like actually assisting and like being at an office for 10 hours 11 hours a day yeah you understand like how important it is to be to um that's only me patient, but it's like you under you start to understand like what a dentist actually does, like a day to day life. If you shadow, yeah, you're seeing what they do. But I think assisting hands on, you learn you not only learn more about the procedures, but you learn like how to take care of a patient, yeah, how to deal with actual people because there, there's a variety of people, right? Like, um, in terms of like their moods or how they yeah. all day, how to deal with them. Um, so it's it's like a definitely top three experience that I've been doing for the past two years. So I think. To anybody listening, I feel like you should really look into assisting, even if it's like not like a, a surgery office. Um, at least get your from the door, you know. Yeah. Um. So can you like kind of talk about, you know, I know you've been assisting for like oh you you assisted for like over six years, right? Around six years. So how did you how did you yeah how did you get your foot in the door? 
Um, and so it was actually um, my dad went to that dental office and when he went for his cleaning, he just mentioned that his daughter was interested in dentistry. So they're like, okay, like as long as she's over 60, like we'll hire her basically. So I didn't start off assisting. They trained me in sterilization and um, basically like how to set up the rooms, how to take down the rooms, like clean them, sterilize them. I learned all the instruments, basically like how the schedule works. So they taught me like everything that was in the background. And that's honestly a huge part of the dental office and it running smoothly as well. Like even just having clean instruments from patient to patient is like critical. So I was trained in that. Um, when I turned, I think about a year in, they were like, okay, well, we don't want you just like doing this anymore. We want you to start assisting. So that's when they let me suction. And I had also been taking x-rays. They had trained me in that pretty early on as well. And so um, the next step was basically just like suctioning, really being in the room with the doctor, bringing in the patients. And then I was just a full-time assistant, basically. After that, I wasn't really in the back at all. Obviously, you know, if you work in a dental office, you know that if you get a free second, you have to go help out. You have to like clean the instruments and help out hygienists, whatever. Um, my office was very fast paced. So we all we were always like communicating, helping each other out. It was a very like busy office. And I kind of just continued with that through school. Um, I know a lot of pre-dents asked me like, okay, how did you do it during school? How did you manage it? Well, the first thing was I went to undergrad like close to home. So I was able to keep the job for that long. Um, the second major thing was building trust with my employers, like all my bosses, all the doctors. So if I did need to take off some time to study for an important exam, um, like I did for the DAT, they were very understanding, very accommodating. So it all just comes down to like trust, communication, but you do need to get your foot in the door. And I think the biggest thing for pre-dents is just, you know, be okay with not assisting right away. Be okay with being trained for front desk or just sterilization or whatever it might be, and then work your way up. Yeah, I think that applies. Like, sorry, um, I think that applies to medical assisting as well. I know a lot of people like start at front desk and then transfer on. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think you know, if you know some of our peers, even in the pre-dental society, they have done front desk and they also have done like actual assisting. And I think. I think starting early, whatever whatever that is, like front desk or if it's just like shadowing at an office is very important, like even in your first year. Because I know I started like second semester of freshman year mm-hmm. and starting very early allowed me to work a lot in like that one summer where I don't really have any major commitments. Yeah. Working all that time and building your trust up with your employers and your doctors kind of makes you like an invaluable asset to the, op- to the practice. Mm-hmm. And so when you do get into your junior and senior and like end of sophomore year when you're really busy, they can understand that the student you put in the work here, like they know you're not permanent. They know they knew you were going to be permanent from the beginning. Yeah. Student, right? So it's kind of important to get your foot in the door. And so, yeah, I think whatever you said is like perfect. Um, so you started assisting. Um, you said like junior year of high school. Is that what you started? Yeah, it was right. going into my junior year of high school. Right. So then, so then I know there's a lot of people that do are not even aware. I wasn't even aware myself of like the BS yeah. EDS program. Um. So can you like kind of touch upon that? Like, how did you find that out? And how did you kind of gear yourself to to getting that position? So um, my high school hosted like college fairs. And so I had heard from another peer's mom to start going to that early. So it was actually my peer that was like, let's go to this college fair. I know it's like kind of early, but let's just go see what it's about. So we did. And I think that was honestly my sophomore year. <laughs> it was very early on. And um, I had an idea that I wanted to do like health at that point. Like I wasn't, I knew I liked dentistry a lot, but I was like not even sure if I was pre-med. Like I didn't really know what these words were. Nobody did. And my parents especially were no help whatsoever because um, they don't know the process. Yeah. So I kind of just was like, okay, let me just go ask these different colleges if they have like pre-med, pre-dental programs. And I did. And I went around to each table and I asked them. And it was actually Stony Brook that told me we have this program that guarantees you into dental school. They only take like two people a year. The guy was super rude about it. 
He's like, we only take two people a year. It's very selective. You have to be at like the top of your class. I was like, okay, bet. Uh, <laughs> so basically that's all it was. It was just me going to different tables and collecting information. And then after I found out from that one table that this existed, I started looking up BSDDS in other schools on the East Coast and tons of schools offer it. NYU has it with Adelphi. Um, UPenn has it with a bunch of other sister colleges. Um, University of Pittsburgh, Stony Brook, Buffalo. And I'm sure there's more being added to this list. <clears throat> Sorry. I think Boston University recently adopted one as well. Um, so yeah, I, what I started doing was then I would find the contacts for like the admissions for these dental schools. And I was like, hi, like I'm a junior in high school. Could you please give me more information about your BSDS program? Yeah. Um, so I think that was something that what I, that I did um, that was really helpful later on because when the, when I did apply to those programs, they saw continued interest because I had emailed them like a year before. Right. Um, so I know a lot of pre-dents don't know whether they want to do medicine or dentistry or even anything at all. Like they don't know what career path they're choosing. But if you do, if you are um, an individual who does know early on, start that research early on and start re reaching out to schools early on. No, definitely. And I'd like, I think my mentality in like 11th grade, personally, I just like threw a dart at the dark door. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just gonna like apply these random colleges, not really care, just do whatever. Um, but like, it's really interesting that you have like a targeted approach while you were already at my school, which is definitely like has helped you um, even as you got through college. So yeah. um, can you walk us through, can you not walk but can you like talk about your experience undergrad? Like, how did you, um, you know, you were in the, the DDS program, of course. Yeah. Um, so how did you kind of structure your activities in undergrad around, you know, like what you wanted to do in the future and how'd you kind of, you know, go about things? So um, just to be like transparent, I was like Stony Brook wasn't my first choice. Uh, I was set on going to UPenn and I had gotten into their BS DDS program, which was seven years as opposed to eight. Um, the reason why I chose Stony Brook for my undergrad was dental school is super expensive. Uh, it is more expensive than medical school. And becoming aware of this early on, I was like, okay, I don't want to drown in loans. So that's why I ultimately chose the DDS program at Stony Brook. Um, so then, obviously, like knowing that there's other dental schools like Penn, Columbia, Harvard, I didn't close my mind off to those other options just because I had gotten into Stony Brook Dental School. So I still took, you know, the DDS program did have um, conditional requirements. You know, you had to take all your prereqs and do well in them. You had to maintain a certain GPA. Um, you had to like score a minimum DAT. So, you know, I did all those, but then I did extra. So I just made sure my grades were higher than the recommended GPA and I made sure I really studied hard for the DAT in the off chance that I would not go to Stony Brook Dental. Um, in terms of research, I was fortunate enough to, as a part of Pre-Dental Society, I found a research experience in my freshman year and I stuck with that, um, you know, basically until my junior year where I then switched to the dental school for research. And all the experiences I did, all the extracurriculars I did, was basically just geared towards what do I like to do and what am I passionate about? Because when it comes time to like apply, I wanted to be genuine and I didn't want it to seem like forced in terms of like, oh, um, you know, I'm just checking off a box. And I think I actually included that in my advice, like when I was filling out the form, yeah, yeah. I think I said like, don't do things just to fill out this mm -hmm. checklist. Like, don't just check off boxes, do things that you like to do. Um, because those things, like for example, I was um, a tutor at the Academic Success and Tutoring Center for three years. And that's still something that I do. Now I just work as a pre-dental coach instead of an academic coach, which is, it's yeah, literally yeah. the same thing, you know, just same thing, different name. I think that was really important. And um, what else? I guess in terms of volunteering, that is something that I feel like is really, really important now for dental schools. And I'm glad I started that early as well. 
So you don't have to know that you want to be a dentist or a medical student to start volunteering. So I think that's a big piece of advice that I would give to anyone at any point in their undergraduate career at this point. Start volunteering because whatever you apply to, even if it's like in the business realm, even if it's like the law realm, volunteering and community service is huge and it's going to be a huge boost to your application, whatever you're doing. So I don't know. That was kind of like vague, but I kind of went off on a tangent there. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. no. So we had um, Dr. Kim on a couple like uh, weeks ago and she did talk about like quality over quantity in terms of picking off boxes and stuff. Yeah. Um, and personally, even as it's going through my own experience, I feel like there are times where I'm just checking boxes and like doing whatever. Yeah. Because just because, oh, it's just like a STEM club. I'm just going to join it and do it, you know, just because it sounds good. But like in the, at the end of the day, is this something where I'm excited to dedicate time to or is it something like, yeah, oh, it's like another class. I feel like it's it's going so. But kind of going off of that, I would say admissions committees like realize they figure out what's filler. Yeah, yeah. you know like even based off like your the way you write about it in your application and they usually don't even ask you about those things or sometimes they do i mean i've heard very different interview experiences but in my own experience those like filler clubs that i like went to for a few meetings like half a semester i didn't get asked about them because they weren't important and if i was asked about them i wouldn't really be able to like talk that meaningfully about it yeah oh again like it's like you only have a limited amount of time before grad school be very picky and choosy with what you dedicate your time to Mm -hmm. no for sure and i think something that everyone really should consider i mean even so for volunteering wise like i know you went on the vaw trip right yeah Um, i personally went on it in guatemala a couple weeks like in june or something so and that was like a very eye-opening experience and it wasn't something like it wasn't like a filler activity of course yeah like uh you know it was you dedicate like 50 hours this whole two weeks or whatever and you're actually helping underprivileged communities that are completely that don't have the things that we have you know here so um can you talk about your i know you went um on one of those trips as well can you talk a little bit about your experience there yeah so ours was in dominican republic um in harabacoa which is just it's not near the resorts. Let me just say that. So it's not in a major city. Um, they don't really have great access to healthcare or especially not dental care. So we went, we went and set up a mobile dental clinic. It was stationed in an elementary school. So we had a lot of kids running around while we were, you know, setting up and everything. And for a week straight, we just started at 7 a.m. We were there until about 4 or 5 p.m just giving free care to members of the community. And our role, we we rotated roles, but one day we would do vitals. So we would take their blood pressure, we would take their glucose, you know, heart rate, um, respiration rate, all, all the vitals basically. Um, so I thought that was really unique because a lot of times uh, it seems like there's a disconnect between systemic health and oral health. So I liked how you know, you were basically their full provider that day. Mm-hmm. So we would do that. And then there was one, one role where you would basically intake the patients, get their patient history. And I used whatever Spanish I knew from high school. And I thought that was super, super meaningful because the second the members of the community sense that you're making an effort, even by like speaking their language, they open up so much more. And that's why I think like, I don't want to like go too far into it, but Harvard offers like medical Spanish for that reason, because they realize that that language can be a huge barrier. And not only did I see that in the Dominican Republic, but I saw that at the dental office back in New York as well. You know, if somebody if English is not their first language, it's very obvious that they don't want to be there and they're really uncomfortable with like receiving dental care. So without like going too far into it, like that was one of our roles too. So like getting their patient history, getting their name, date of birth, et cetera. Um, there was obviously like an assisting portion of it. There was the sterilization portion of it. Um, and honestly, like you just went around, you went through all the roles throughout the week. 
And at the end of the week, there was like an education day where we got to interact with the students, uh, like the little kids in the mm. community, basically, and the students in the school, um, taught them how to brush their teeth and stuff. It was just a very rewarding experience because you got to see firsthand the difference that you were making in these people's lives. Like if somebody had um, an abscess or an infection and you remove that tooth or you filled the cavity, all of a sudden they're out of pain and that just changes your quality of life so much. It might seem um, like in the United States, dental care is a little bit more accessible. I don't want to go into that in detail. But it is more accessible than it was in that community we were in. Um, so people often forget that, you know, there are people going day to day in pain just because they can't get care for their teeth. Yeah. So it, it was a very rewarding experience. Um, if anyone is, has the opportunity to go on something like that, I heavily, I really recommend it. And it goes back to like the patient uh, doctor relationship too, because I know I was able to use Spanish a little bit there, even like in that, in the, the host family's house, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then when we got back to the States, like when I went to work, we actually had a patient come in, only spoke Spanish. And my doctor actually like knows like very good Spanish. He went to social work as well. He knows like really good Spanish. So he was able to like, converse with the patient and like make her understand what's going on because she didn't ha- she didn't know any any English right so she he, like kind of it, it makes her feel, feel more comfortable like when your doctor knows what you're talking about like yeah so exactly it was like a very interesting part um so it's kind of going down the line here um can you talk a little bit about like your research experience briefly um I know uh you did it, you started in freshman year so something yeah she probably like start looking at. So I actually, it was a very unique experience. I got to work in an anthropology lab looking at um, fossil pig teeth. And so basically I would analyze CT scans of these um, teeth from fossil sewids, uh, which are just like very prehistoric African pigs. So that research went on for about two years and we did get published in the paleobiology journal at the end of it. Uh, I was first co-author, which was really exciting. And then my PI moved to a different university. He was done with his PhD. So he really was like, okay, that's when I changed labs. And I reached out to one of the doctors in the dental school and I started working in the oral biology and pathology lab. And that was definitely more wet lab. I would say the anthropology research was not wet lab. It was more so data analysis. I would go through and I would kind of carve out the CT scans. It was all computer-based and math-based and analysis. Um, the wet lab stuff was definitely using like PCR and using more pipetting and hand skills. So that was a stark contrast. Mm. And my project was with that was... I'm like trying to remember. It's yeah, like, yeah, it was like so far, uh, so long ago. For that, we were looking at mouse gingiva, rat gingiva, sorry, and basically seeing the proteins expressed in their gingival tissue. Mm-hmm. So I actually dissected the rat heads, I extracted their gingiva, and I ran PCR on all these tissues. Mm-hmm. That was a really, really, really cool. Um, I mean, it was just for my senior thesis, so I it didn't turn into a publication. But I feel like if I started early enough, it could have. And I I was someone who kind of liked research. So that's why I did it. For pre-dense, don't feel compelled to do research if you really don't like it. Uh, and if you can't speak meaningfully to it. Yeah, we had Zade on for like your first episode. And first thing he kind of said was like, don't do it if you're just doing it to do it. Same thing with checking the box. And like, yeah. If you're, if, you're, if you're researching something that you don't even have any interest in. And if you like don't feel like yourself, you feel, you feel like you're just wasting time in it. Yeah. I don't bother pursuing that that much. I feel like you could better use your energy somewhere else, to be honest. Exactly. I mean, I know people, I know dental students that never did research and they're yeah. at dental school. Um, it's just like certain schools, Harvard is one of them. They do heavily, they like research. Uh, that's not to say if you don't do research, you won't get in. One of my best friends here, he only did his senior thesis and they that's what he considered his research. And that was fine. Like he goes to Harvard. You know, but certain schools do um, like to see it on your resume. So if you have it, great. If you don't, just supplement it with other things that you're passionate about. For sure. Um. So let's talk about the dental school application. Then. Uh, so can you walk us through your application process? Like what? So you're in the program. Yeah. You, you know that you're going to go to Sony Brook. Anything. Worst case scenario, you go to Sony Brook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So like, how did you go through like your DAT personal statement, your rec letters? Like, how do you kind of, what was your mindset going into it? My mindset was to forget about the fact that I'm in the program and just apply like I was applying like any other applicant. So, you know, I based on like talking to other older upperclassmen and people who were already in dental school, pre-dental society was a huge resource for me because that kind of set the timeline as to when I was going to do everything. I took the DAT in March of my junior year, which means I started studying right after winter break. And I was studying during the semester, like a good month and a half into the semester. Mm-hmm. Um, I used DAT bootcamp. I didn't use any other resources, honestly. And that was way, like that was sufficient for me. Uh, in terms of personal statement, I think I had started my personal statement in I want to say January of my junior year. And um, as far as rec letters go, I'm pretty sure I asked all my professors in December or January again of my junior year. So I gave them, I told them I wanted it in by the end of January and all of them were very, they were fine with that because I asked them, like I gave them a good month, month and a half window to write it. And then I sent them reminder emails. Um, so I had everything done based like I had started everything basically in the winter of my, of the year before I was going to apply. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I didn't take a gap year, but I did take, I did graduate a semester early. So I had a semester off. Um, you know, that was just something that I knew I needed. And as far as the committee letter goes, I just followed, you know, Stony Brook's committee letter requirements, and that was pretty simple. Uh, in terms of personal statement, I would recommend starting early because I I literally like read and edit personal statements as my job, and it sometimes it takes a lot longer. You know, it's nice to have that window to have that cushion to edit it and go through like different rounds and change the theme if need be, add paragraphs, delete paragraphs. So. From, you know, as somebody who works with pre-dents as my job, my advice to pre-dents is start your personal statement early. Start compiling your experiences early. That was huge, Um, especially if you have a lot of experiences and a lot to say, like a lot of extracurriculars. Put those in a Google Doc. That's it. You know, just start writing about them just so like you can jog your memory when the application opens. You can just like copy and paste, basically. Yeah. I think like the personal statement... One of my friends told me like he would just write down like a year before he would, he knew he knew he was gonna start writing it. He would like write yeah. down all his experiences from his work, yeah, job, and like in the moment you might not think they're really like important things to remember, but like when you look back on it, you might find like a spark of like what to write about it. Personally. That's what I did too. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Like I wrote how I wrote child like just like little prompts yeah, for myself. Cool. I wrote childhood experience, dental assisting. Um, the man care republic like volunteering abroad uh, I talked about like even pre-dental society so any literally any dental experience that you've had that can that you can write about I just wrote those as prompts to kind of get me going for sure um so so now that you've you know you kind of finished most of the the right the written work mm-hmm. where did you how did you kind of consider what schools to apply to apply to now at this point um, so my main factors were location. Actually, my main ba- factor was location. So I only applied to East Coast schools. And another big thing was, okay, I'm already in dental school, technically. Like, I already have this program. So then I applied to schools that I would genuinely see myself going to. And still, like, I was literally talking to my friend about this yesterday. There are still some schools that I was like, why did I even apply to that? I wouldn't have gone. So I would say location, um, in-state versus out-of-state, like financials is something that you should consider. Uh, even stuff like weather, you know, if if you've been in Florida your entire life and you don't think you can handle like the cold, maybe don't apply to schools in Maine, maybe don't apply to like Michigan, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, location was big for me. And then honestly, like I do want to specialize. So that was something I also considered. Uh, and for that, I'll just say that Maine gets you ca- like pretty far in specialty. And I knew that if I went to a school like Harvard or Columbia, like s- specializing wouldn't be too much of an issue. Right. 
So that one was pretty big. And so that's why it mostly applied to like New York schools, Boston schools, um, New England area. I applied to like one in Florida. I don't know why I applied <laughs> to the Florida school. Like I've been in New York my entire life. I'm not going to pack up and leave 18 hours away, you know? Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess you just kind of applied just to apply. I, guess. I, I applied just to apply. I don't know why I wasted my money. The application is expensive. Like, I don't know why I did that, but. Yeah. So, um, so now that you like applied to these schools that you've chosen, right? Um, so how did the interview process go? And they sent you emails and like, how was your kind of, was it like virtual? Did you go in person? What was your experience like? Yeah. So I had my application submitted by the end of June and that wasn't really my timeline. That was just like everything I had submitted personally, like in the second week of June, but then the committee letter was submitted at the end of June. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, by July, everything was finalized and I started getting interview invites in August and they notified me by email. Um, some schools do send out a secondary application, like a supplemental application. So you have to pay more money and like answer more questions. Um, so that started in August. All of mine were virtual at that time. And then I got my Harvard invite and that was the first one that was like, okay, you have the option in person or virtual. Yeah. Chosen person for that. So, you know, you do have to get to the location of the school, whether you fly or drive. You have to consider like hotel costs, transportation costs, stuff like that. Um, so that one was in person. And I by mid-November, all of my interviews were done. All the schools I applied to, I had to hear, heard back from. And, you know, I completed all my interviews. And so this cycle... Uh, the um the day that they called was december 1st and so like luckily like i i got my decisions on december 1st but it's totally normal if you don't i know a ton of my classmates didn't get called till mid-december and um, even february march april you know it can go on to literally like i wouldn't start getting discouraged until literally may you know that's kind of when you have to consider okay am i Am I going to reapply? What am I going to do? Um, so I my biggest advice is the earlier, the better. Obviously, that doesn't mean that if you apply in September, your chances are like diminished. It's just the earlier you apply, the earlier schools get to look at your application and the earlier you'll get a potential interview. Right. So I tell like all the pre-dance that I mentor, like they're usually um, most of them are sophomores or juniors at this point in undergrad. So I tell them like, OK, most of them have decided at this point whether they're taking a gap year or not. And so I tell them like, OK, start this early, start this early, like, as early as you can to just maximize your chances, because um, like the timeline does kind of make a difference <clears throat> for dental, like more so for medical, honestly, but. I know people who applied in October and still down to dental school. So anything's possible. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Luck of the draw. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so can you talk a little bit more about like how the actual interview process was? Like what kind of questions were you faced with? Did you find any questions that were like, oh shoot, I don't know the answer to this stuff. Like I know uh, Brandon Axelrod, we had, he's D1 at Sunnybrook right now. He talked yeah. or D2. He talked about like, you got the why not medicine question. Yeah. Very big question. You kind of answered a little bit already, but yeah. is there any questions where you're like, dang, I don't know. So um, University of Florida, UF was my first interview and um, it was virtual and, you know, I didn't really know what to expect that much. Um, so what they asked me, they literally said it right off the bat. They're like, okay, we get it. You have a lot of dental like experience because they saw that I was an assistant. They're like, what do you think is the biggest threat to dentistry? And I was like, uh, no, but seriously though, like I did have, I did hear about that question beforehand. So I kind of had prepared, but the way they asked it kind of caught me off guard. And so I talked about like corporate dentistry. I talked about new emerging technologies, like even stuff like Invisalign and implants that kind of, um, that more like general dentists can do these procedures now. Um, so I, I did have an answer prepared, and it was still a very tough question if you're not prepared for it. You have to kind of know about what's going on in the dental field. So that was one thing. Um, yeah, like what's the biggest threat to dentistry? Another question I had this one was from Harvard. They said, 
what was an ethical dilemma you faced and how did you handle it? And I had never gotten ethics question before in one of my interviews. I know that now they're becoming more and more common, but I was just like, I felt like I stuttered. You know, I did have a good answer for it, but I had to like really think on the spot. Um, Because also like, you don't want to say anything that comes off as unethical at the same time. You don't want to violate the HIPAA. You don't want to like, I don't know, there's just a lot of caveats. Like when you do start thinking about answers to that question you know test yourself try to ask yourself that question and what would you say for it right if you can think of a story usually i know a lot of people a lot of the pre-dents i ask that question to when i do mock interviews they talk about like a patient experience so then you have to kind of be careful like you don't want to yeah you can't i can get you in trouble yeah um so that was something that was tough and I, I remember stuttering during my interview answering that question um during my columbia interview this was really interesting she asked me she's like well obviously like your stats are high and i'm sure you applied to harvard so would you go to columbia over harvard and i was like um uh, yeah you know like what do you what am i supposed to say no <laughs> i wasn't gonna be like no, like i'm gonna pick harvard actually you know, school, school. I'm going to Harvard. Yeah, like, just because you guys gave it. It was just like, like that was a very weird interview question. I personally never got why medicine, just because I think it was clear in the way that I answered all my other interview questions that dentistry was like for me. Like it was clear that I had experience. So they, it's weird to say this, but my interviews were less so about dentistry and more so about who I was as a person, what I like to do my values, my interests, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My, w- like when I talk to my peers, I feel like my interview experience was kind of unique in that sense. Yeah. But it all depends on your interviewer and it all depends on how you click with your interviewer. So if I can offer, what, like this is advice I give to everyone. I'm like, be yourself. Don't be a robot. Don't see these interviewers as robots either. You know, they are people that who have gone through dental school or whatever, they have tons of years of experience. They have children and interests and hobbies and like stuff they love to do. So try to find what they like and connect with them. For my BU interview, we talked about food for 30 minutes. For um, with one of my Harvard interviewers, we talked about like she was really into like working out as well. So we talked about the gym for like 10 minutes. You know, stuff like that kind of reminds you that okay, my interviewer is also a person and I can relax a little bit. Like I can answer a question more genuinely. I don't have to be robotic. I don't have to like stick to a formula, if that makes sense. Um, So even like the way you dress, like this was, I tell all like the girls, I know this, like showcase your personality and the way you dress. Like I literally wore a pink suit to my Harvard interview because I don't like business casual clothes. And I was like, I don't want to wear a dress. How do I go about this? And I went to Zara. I found this like amazing pink blazer and pants and I wore that. And, you know, like during my other interviews, I wore like a lot of florals and like colorful stuff. And this might sound like superficial and stupid, but it's something that like my interviewers picked up on. And then we talked about that. Yeah. So any way that you can showcase your personality and have a talking point about it, like go for it. And honestly, easier said than done. Mock interviews is like the best way to kind of gauge this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's my biggest advice. Be true to yourself. And like I know Harvard has like a bunch of mock interviews. I, like a lot of dental schools have like mock interview sessions. Do you have the new mock interviews? White Coach Reverse does mock interviews. Oh, nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, Harvard ASTA, like I actually, I'm on the board. I'm on I'm the social media and wellness chair and we host mock interviews. So use those resources you know like follow those different um pre-dental societies on instagram and keep an eye out eye out for those events that are literally made for pre-dents you know mock interviews and um informational sessions about the schools q a's with dental students those are all super super like important and they give a great amount of advice also going back i think that like you've already spit wide dentistry applications so many times like them just asking you that is you just gonna end up you like reciting what you've already said. Yeah. So they just want to know like who you are. Like you're not gonna 
they've never seen you in person. They never talked to you in person, unless you've like met them before. But like, they wanted to know that you're like not a robot. Like, yeah, exactly. Like a big part of it. And it's again, like, it's like why you're going to become a good doctor or dentist or whatever, whatever profession you're going to be in. Like, it's all about your stats. It's not all about like school grades. It is, but like, what you are beyond that is much more important. I feel like. Because then that, that that's like what makes you happy, right? Like you running your food business, you're doing the consulting things, yeah. your firm. Uh, it, I feel like it's just brings it all together and just kind of makes like you like a more well-rounded person. I'm that's sorry. literally what we talked about most of the time. Like when they said, "Oh, what do you like to do?" And I mentioned the food blog, they're like, "Oh, tell me about that." And we spent so much time because, like, what? Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like it. They care more about that stuff, like what makes you you versus like, oh, I shadowed a doctor and this is what I saw. Like I saw a crown prep. Like they don't care about that. Yeah. They do that day in and day out. Like they know what a crown prep is. Sure. They know what filling is. Like they don't want to hear about it. They want to hear about what makes you unique. And that's another question I got a lot. I got that during my Stony Brook interview. When I was get like when I was interviewing for the BSDDS program, they were like, what makes you unique? Like everybody else wants to get into dental school. Everybody else has your stats. Like what sets you apart? And I think that's a really introspective question. You know, you really have to kind of sit with yourself and be like, wait, yeah, what does make me unique? And there's a lot more things than you think. Yeah. Like, so I would say for pre-dental or preparing for interviews, like think about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, So now, you know, you, you, you've interviewed already. Um, you got your acceptance to Harvard. I'm, I'm assuming you got accepted to Harvard. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, how's it been so far? Like your D1 year. I know that Harvard has an integrated like med school, dental school program. Yeah. So, like, what? What did you expect going in? Were you like nervous going in? Were you excited? I'm assuming you were excited, but like, did you have any like second thoughts, nerves, feelings, stuff like that as you got in? Um, I think the biggest thing was like every single dental student I talked to kind of like fear mongered like this idea of oh, you have no free time. You're always working. The classwork is so hard. The material is so hard. Sim lab is so hard. Like everything that I heard about dental school was like, oh, it's so hard. Yeah. Um. So I think I, w- I was nervous, but I also knew that the first year at Harvard, you're a medical student at the medical school. Um. You don't actually go over to the dental school until the second year. So you do like the same practice of medicine classes with the other medical students where you're in a hospital doing like patient histories and like doing vitals like i was in the hospital i was at mass general last week or this week on wednesday and we it's like practice taking blood pressure on each other and like taking each other's heart rate because next week we're literally doing that on patients and so i think it's really interesting and that was a huge part of why i came to harvard i love the integration between the oral and oral and systemic health and emphasis they have on that so I think for that reason, my nerves were a little bit like lessened just because I was like, okay, I'm just taking medical school classes um, the first year. Uh, I honestly really like it so far. I do like how D1s here have the opportunity to shadow and assist and the upperclassmen are very adamant about keeping us involved. And like, you know, I, I'm very close with a a handful of upperclassmen and they're always texting me like hey do you want to shadow today or hey do you want can you like pop in and assist on, on like this perio case or whatever it might right. be so i think being such a small dental school you know we're 35 students each class those relationships form really fast and you get really close with people really fast so don't let that like discourage you from applying to Harvard just because like, oh, the medical school curriculum, like you're not a dental student the first year. You still are very much a dental student. You still have like that strong, strong community, tight knit community behind you. So that's honestly my favorite part about being here. One of them besides like the pass fail. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like the tight, the small class size. It's just such a game changer. And we talked to Paul a couple weeks ago again, but he talked about like, we asked, I asked him like how the social life is at Buffalo. Like, does he have a lot of free time? He's like, heck yeah, we have a lot of free time, dude. Like, you know, if you're able to structure your day is kind of, um, it's not like undergrad where you have certain courses, certain times. Like he talked about like how certain courses are kind of, they, they start and end in like different dates and like random dates. And yeah. you have, like a lot of free time in day and like, how are you, whichever way you choose to spend it is up to you. And it's like, that's like really cool about 
you know, you have like, you like freedom, like you have more freedom than you did in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that. So, and you talked about the past fail system. Did that kind of sway your decision in going there? I know Stony Brook isn't pass fail, but. Big time pass fail takes so much of the competition away, takes so much of the stress away. Um, up until Thanksgiving, our exams are even open notes. So it's like, it's, they don't want you to do poorly. They want to make that transition really easy for you. So my classes are from 8 to 12 every day, um, except for Wednesdays. That's when I'm in the hospital. And so, like you said, you know, you do have a lot of free time. Once you're done with your classes, it's up to you what you want to do. Right. Um, we have rever- we have flipped classroom, which means you have to take you have to do the lectures before you go to class the next day. Uh, and then in class, it's CBCL, which is I think it's called like clinic based class, like learning. I don't I don't really know what it stands for, but it's basically in class or case based learning. Um, so in in class, you discuss cases that pertain to the lectures that you did the night before. So I really I do like how you have so much free time once you're done with your prep work for the next day and you're done for the day. And whether you want to do that right after class and be done by like four or five o'clock or if you save it for the nighttime and you want to do like stuff in the middle of the day, you know, you have that liberty, you have that independence. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, pass fail is huge. Uh, honestly, like nobody competes with any anyone because at the end of the day, P equals DMD. And that's kind of our motto. Like, it's going to be crazy to have, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really nice right um so you you talked you kind of briefly touched upon like you want to go into endo right yeah no oral surgery you kind of like yeah right now um so what kind of made you go that way um i so obviously i'm not sound a specialty i do like the fact that oral surgery again you have more of that medical background and I don't know, just based off my shadowing and my assisting experience, I liked how endo is really straightforward. You see a, you you do your root canals, right? Apicolectomies, maybe. Um, and honestly, the work-life balance with endo seemed a lot better than general, just in like the office settings that I've seen. And so I was like, okay, it's very fine detail, like very hand skill oriented. You know, this the procedure is kind of straightforward. You're doing a root canal. Uh, there is a little bit of variation, but not so much. And your work-life balance is great. So I don't know if that sounds superficial, but that's kind of what drew me to endo. You know, what what a dentist, what a general dentist told me was what I make seeing like five patients is what an endo makes seeing one patient. So again, like I don't want to say the only reason I'm going into endo is for the money, but like that is a huge factor when you're considering work-life balance and what you want your schedule to look like. Um, at the end of the day, you're still a dentist no matter what. So it's just like, okay, how, what kind of dentist do you want to be, right? Do you want to do all sorts of procedures, cosmetic procedures? Do you want to do more like fine-tuned onto one procedure? And I like the idea of getting really good at one thing yeah, versus just doing a little bit of everything. Um, in terms of oral surgery, I really, I just really like the idea of, I don't, I don't know, like, oh, like rest restoring somebody. I just, I don't know, like when I've assisted oral surgery, it's been mostly like wisdom teeth extractions and simple stuff like that. But there was just something, and it's gonna sound like super, like I don't know, like touchy, feely here. But I worked with female oral surgeons, and I feel like oral surgery is a specialty that lacks a a lot of female representation mm-hmm. so that's just like inspiring to me as it is you know being in like the minority in that kind of specialty that's really cool to me and it's like almost like a challenge um because a lot of the people i know here that do want to do os are men um and again like i said i do like the medical aspect of it and that's why again i chose harvard so since I haven't started any type of preclinic over at the dental school, I don't have a clear, concrete answer, but those are just some ideas. Right. right now. So, like, have you talked to upperclassmen about, like, if not touching hand pieces or doing, like, clinical-based work until your second year? Yeah. Puts you behind other schools, or is it just kind of, you know... See, I was worried about that, but they were very good at easing my 
worries like right away. They're like, they you catch up fast. Yeah. You know, they're not setting you up for failure whatsoever. You really are set up for success. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, even though you basically get whatever specialty you want type thing here. And there are people that choose to go into general, which is totally fair. And they feel like at least the upperclassmen I've talked to, they said they feel prepared to just go into the workforce. Right. But they don't feel like they're behind any other dental schools or their peers at other dental schools. Um, I think Harvard does a good job at just catching you up. Yeah. I think when I visited, we talked to the deep, I'm not going to say her name, but like, we talked to her and she was kind of like, you kind of get in to wherever you want to go. Cause yeah. Harvard, right? So it's like a really good school. Like you won't be, you know, that's kind of how she took it when she applied to the school. So I think that's like a really interesting part of it also. And, you know, Pat's field is obviously great. Um, as you said, wow. even Zay, Zay goes to Columbia. So he's talking about Columbia's past field as well. And he was just like, there's just no stress. Like everyone wants to help in exactly. a house. It's just like, it's just like, imagine undergrad was like that. Yeah. It would have been a big difference. Like everybody shares notes. We all study together. Yeah. It's very collaborative. It's not cutthroat whatsoever. I feel like you might not even learn more. You do. No, if you're like everyone's talking to each other and you're just kind of absorbing everyone's different, like how everyone else gets the information, like perceives the information. Yeah. Like might grow like different perspective of like how to think about a certain thing. So yeah, exactly. No, it's a huge change from undergrad where you know, like, and if you are in that competitive mindset or like that, oh, like what'd you get on the test mindset, you are shut down right away. Nobody is like, nobody wants to put up with that. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, very, it's a very non-toxic environment here. Mm-hmm. We're we're all trying to help each other and like get to where we want to be. Right. So kind of like wrapping up here. Do you want to like plug your your businesses that you got going on? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I'll tag them. I'll tag them later anyway. But the one, like I keep talking about the food one. Um, that's mm-hmm. Pizzano's place. I work as a restaurant promoter, so. Restaurants reach out to me. Sometimes I reach out to them and I go and basically get free food and review it. So that like, it's so much fun. Uh, It's a lot of work. It might not sound like a lot, but it is so much more work than you think. Um, So that's something that I do. Like that takes up a lot of my time. And then the consulting business, um, it's actually pre-medical and pre-dental. It's called White Coat Dreamers. And basically we do personal statement editing. Uh, we do full application editing, like, you know, all your activities and your experiences. Uh, we do consulting, you know, where we meet on Zoom and basically just like go through and help you along your pre journey. Mock interviews is a big one that we're doing right now. We've been doing a bunch of those um, where basically it's exactly what it sounds like, a mock interview. Right. Uh, and then something unique that we do is we meet with parents because I mentioned it very early on, you know, in our conversation that my parents had no idea about this entire process. So getting parents in the know early makes a big difference in the student's journey to medical school or dental school. Um, so that like we meet with a lot of high school parents that like kind of want to go think about BSMD or BSDDS or, you know, they consider a lot of other factors for undergrad because of that. Yeah. So yeah, if you're looking for some pre-dental <laughs> advice uh like this is said obviously your podcast is an amazing resource it's an amazing free resource and utilize for pre out there and utilize any free re- resources that you can and if you want that extra push you know white coat dreamers we're there for you especially with the personal statements that's like our number one thing right i might even you i might even use you guys as services when i get to that point <laughs> because yeah. like it's like that's like actual like one-on-one and like you guys have proven yourself to, to already like know what you're talking about so yeah oh yeah i forgot to say i run it with my boyfriend and he okay. goes to med school at nyu so he's a huge you know like everything we do is 50 50 um because dental and medical school admissions are very similar so having that expertise on both ends is really um insightful yeah for sure um so like actually wrapping up here um, yeah. What's like the last piece of advice you can give any pre dentals going through this whole process? Honestly, believe in yourself. Um, and even if it sounds delusional, like just tell yourself you're getting in. That sounds, it sounds so bizarre, but I would just tell myself like, okay, a year from now, I'm going to be at Harvard or I'm going to be at dental school. 
even like the week before my interview, I'd be like, my interview went so well. So just believe in yourself and just know that you have the experiences, you have the knowledge, you have, you know, the confidence. So just be confident, believe in yourself and you'll get to where you want to be. You know, everyone that I know, like everyone that I've met along this journey has gotten into dental school. So nobody gets left behind one way or another. You're getting in. So just believe in yourself and take that as you will. <laughs> All right. So that concludes our episode of Dose Dental Podcast. Thank you, Austin, for joining me and sharing your experience with the interview process. Um, your insight was definitely valuable to me, and I hope that'll be the same for our pre listeners. Everyone, please feel free to reach out to Austin at our socials, and I'll also put them in the, the show description when we do upload this episode if you have further questions. And we thank everyone for listening. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to follow us on Instagram and Spotify, and we'll see you next time for another Dose of Dental College. Bye.